Welcome to a special bonus episode of Cinemaholics. I'm John Negroni, and he's Will Ashton. Hey, Will. What up? He is a man called Will. That's true. Uh, we're doing a bonus show because Will finally managed to catch a man called Otto. What took yeah. you so long, Will? Well, I had a screening of it. It's set uh, in Pennsylvania. Shouldn't only, there have been a screenings months ago? Not only set in Pennsylvania, it's set in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pencil. Uh, yeah. did, did, did it look like it? Like, were you kind of spotting certain things like you were with Cha-Cha Real Smooth? Uh, no. I mean, this movie, I feel like, kind of exists in a weird fantasy version of Pittsburgh, but mm. I can discuss that in a bit more later. Yeah, yeah, hold that thought, I guess. I was going to ask you, too, because I was looking out for you in this movie. I was like, is he a secret extra? Because nope. sometimes you do that. Not in this one. Mm. There is um, a movie coming out this year, which I think you know to about. Say. But I'm not allowed to say about yet. Not allowed. But that I was get, yeah. an extra, and I don't know if I'm going to be in the movie or not. I don't want to speak too uh, soon because, you yeah, know, the listeners once upon have, a time. We've had our hearts broken before. Where'd you go, Bernadette, American Pickle? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. This could be the third time that, uh, well, yeah, yeah, that would be the I third time. I do like time, the yeah. names of all those movies kind of relate to like how it's a problem that you're not in it. You know, it's like, mm. oh, it's such a pickle. It's like, where did yeah. you go? Like, <laughs> kind of fits. Though, I mean, I did like that American Pickle movie. I don't even know if you can watch it anymore because it's on HBO Max. Yeah, yeah, they got rid of it, huh? Um, yeah. But no, we're going to talk about a man called Otto, which I checked out a couple weeks back. I think right before the holidays or maybe it was right after. Oh, yeah. I didn't um, answer your question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want me to answer? Do you want me to give the whole spiel about how I saw the film now or wait until later in the episode well yeah you said either you watched it at a screening but oh yeah you want to tell the story the lis- listeners will's got a story for you sit down well, uh, crisscross applesauce story is a bit generous for what this is gonna be but um yeah so uh i guess in late december i got my screening invite for a man called auto which i was kind of expecting because like you said it was filmed in pittsburgh generally speaking the movies that are shot around here, they give a little screening too for us. You know, I'm gonna, and I'm going to look up while you're talking when our screening invite was. Because I, I didn't go. I got a screener. But yeah, let me see. Yeah. Hoity-toity. John the Grony over here got a screener. You know He me. didn't have to leave his dang house to watch this movie like me. He was <laughs> well, like, I can be man. like Otto. I can just stay at home and be grumpy watching <laughs> this movie. But yeah, no, but, something happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, something happened is a bit of uh, a uh, stretch. But... <laughs> um, yeah, so I got a screening invite for, I guess that was, uh, was at January 10th to see this film. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Movie's supposed to come out January 13th, at least in wide release. I'll, uh, I'll go and see that screening. And then, uh, I noticed that the theater where they're going to be screening the film, uh, a few days, uh, before that, actually a week before the screening was supposed to happen, they were playing the film. They jumped the gun. Uh, and yeah. They're like, we like, can't just wait for somebody to call auto we're gonna call him up right now exactly yeah so yeah it was already playing at the theater uh i was seeing this advanced screening at so you technically walked past the theater and like people were literally like watching the movie mm-hmm. while you were being yes. like huh no exaggeration yeah when i walked uh into the theater i looked up and i saw on the billboard that like you know i could go to a number of shows to see this film as a paid member of uh, the public yeah what but, was the publicist like where they were just like, all right, no spoilers. We want to preserve. Them. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like I kept like, I didn't say this outright to them, but I was kind of just like, Hey, like I, you know, when I RSVP is like, Hey, I'm going to RSVP for this te- January 10th screening of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're like, okay, good. We'll see you there. I'm like, okay, nothing fishy <laughs> here. And then like the next day, cause I was in my head, I was like, okay, maybe they like misprinted the date. Yeah, it was yeah. actually supposed to be the Tuesday before. And like I, you know, I had a reasonable uh, excuse if I didn't get to go because I was like, I think okay, they messed up. Well, because I'm looking at it right now. And that was the date of the screening in San Francisco, Tuesday, January 3rd. Well, in any case, uh, the next and also, day, sorry, we should we haven't said too. it was in limited release before this. Uh, it came out limited release December 30th. Yeah. But uh, the. The next day, like that Wednesday, after I presumed the screening had already happened, I sent him another email just to kind of like poke the bear a little bit more and be like, hey, I forgot to mention I was going to bring a guest. Is that OK? And I was expecting emails like, oh, I'm sorry, that screening actually happened yesterday. Were you uh, <laughs> misinformed or whatever? And they were like, yeah, yeah. OK, no problem. And so I was like, hmm, OK. So I guess 
this is just gonna they're just gonna keep this going i guess and then you know the the day of comes and uh i was talking to a friend and i was like hey you know i have this screening for this movie would you like to go <laughs> he's like oh yeah sure i wanted to see a movie he's like okay i just gotta uh you know preface this by saying that uh i don't know if the screening is actually going to happen because the movie is already out so it kind of defeats the purpose of an advanced screening but there's uh you know at least a semi-decent chance that we're gonna go see a free screening of a film that's already playing there he was like okay so we went and i was you know still fully just thinking like okay they're gonna you know tell me the screening isn't happening i'll just have to go pay to see it no big deal but then I turn the corner and I see, you know, a full line of people waiting to see a <laughs> like movie that's already playing. Yeah. They got their like free tickets on the radio. Like I and get it. Not only that, but like they had like a cut out billboard of the the poster you could like stand in front of and stuff. And uh, <laughs> it's like an event. <laughs> so I guess what it happened at was is that this was actually a screening for the Pittsburgh Film Office and that they I guess they just invited press to attend. So actually the screening was filled with people who had worked on the film in various positions and jobs. Hmm. Uh, and that was actually a pretty nice experience. That's pretty cool. So you got to sit with like the director, Tom Hanks. Yeah, exactly. There, Tom Hanks. Yeah. I, I <laughs> oh, did Thomas have that experience Newman. You- uh, with, um, not with Tom Hanks being there, but with the, won't you be my neighbor? Like the, you know, people from the crew, like Mario Heller was there, like the widow of um, Mr. Rogers was there and stuff. That was like kind of more of a glitzy oh, wow. premiere. This is like a little bit more refined in that respect. Right, right. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I, they just, the whole night, they, everyone just kind of pretended, I guess, that this movie wasn't already playing. <laughs> uh, and it was just an advanced screen that wasn't advanced. Away. Yeah. <laughs> That's Which is, fun, uh, I've never had an experience like that before. So that was my experience watching the film. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've had an experience like that, where it's like literally playing at the theater. Uh, if it did, I forgot. But how funny is that? Well, I'm glad that you didn't pull an auto and get all grumpy about that situation. So let's talk about this movie. Because Though I was petty enough to like push it, but not just outright ask, like, is the screening still happening? <laughs> I, I was just kind of just you like, let's just see it. what happens. Well, you know, I, I knew something was going on because you were kind of like, as soon as you watched the movie and you walked out, you're like, all right, I got to talk to John about this. Cause you would, you then read my review on in between dress. And apparently I, I, you didn't give me any information on besides that, that you read it, but, yeah, that you wanted to talk about it with me. I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know if I'm about to get chewed out and then some right now on this show. Um, I'm hoping that's the case. But I famously, uh, you know, as as people famously. have been uh, apt to call me <laughs> out on, I I did not give this movie a good review. I, I and uh, I was I was a bit negative on a man called Otto. Do you know? Did you see what the score I gave it? You uh, gave like it five, five, five out of ten. Five out of ten. Uh, five out of ten. What I don't know. Well, uh, that would be uh, five points out of ten possible points. Okay, not like yeah, fake uh, I movie thought, points. I thought you were gonna do something from the film, you know, like ten or five, five cookies cats. out of ten cookies five, or uh, Chevy avalanches. Yeah, I could go dark with this, but I don't really want to uh, jump the gun. A yeah, bit, I was like, or... don't do it, don't do it. Um, <laughs> but no, you're you're more fresh on, on the movie. Uh, I. I remember most of it, and I think that my my main thing with the movie, and I'll set it up and everything, is that it, it's very much, I said this in my review, it's very much like this year's The Upside. Uh, it's a, an American remake of a, in this case, a Swedish film. Uh, so Upside was a remake of, uh, I believe it was a French film, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, it's based on a novel called A Man Called Uva by Frederick Bachman and the Swedish movie came out in 2015 and in, I, I believe man called Uva, like I, I believe it was like a words, you know, contender. I yeah. remember it having Got, a, bit of a, uh, a campaign Two Oscar nominations. Yeah. And of course we, we had to get our remake of it, right? The American remake because people can't read subtitles. And so I think uh, we're, one of the next high profile ones, right. is going to be the one with uh, it's going to be the remake of another round. Uh, they're doing that one, right? Yeah, that's what they say. I always we'll try see. to take these, um, you know, foreign language to English language remakes with a grain of salt until they actually happen. Sure. Because I remember um, when Parasite came out, uh, HBO was like, oh, we're going to do some sort of continuation with this with like Adam yeah. McKay producing and then like Mark Ruffalo is going to star or something in it. And I don't know if that's 
still in the works or not yeah we haven't really heard anything about that since right uh, i yeah. don't know if they put the kibosh on that uh, i hope so um, yeah because uh, what a terrible yeah. i mean idea. there would be some sort of uh poetic justice i guess if the quarantine uh prevented that show from happening but uh, i'm not seeing yeah. I, i'm seeing the last news story for it is that tilda swinton dropped out of the show yeah. That's what I kind of figured. Um, that yeah. was in October 2022. So apparently it's still happening, but uh, it doesn't look like it's close to production at the moment, yeah. um, um, as far as I can see. But yeah, I mean, there was like that. I know there was like a Tony, Tony Erdman uh, remake that was being flirted. I think that might also be dead at this point. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, another round, which I still haven't heard any updates on that since it happened. I still or, need sorry, to see the movie. He's, um, you never saw another round? I never saw it. Wow. No, I... Yeah, yeah, I, I that was during the time when I wasn't getting screeners uh, like I do now. So mm. I, I was kind of yeah in between movies at that point. I wanted to see it. I, I reached out and everything, but nothing yeah. happened. You were in between movies, but not in between drafts yet. There you go. Um, but yeah, as for this movie, it, we're getting it seven years uh, plus from when the last movie came out. Yeah, and uh, I have seen a man called Uva. I don't know. I was if gonna you ask. Have. I have not. No, I was going to try to it just didn't work out i, I haven't read the book either see i do think that it, it will influence you know your opinion i do wonder like maybe if watching a man called auto fresh will give let people give it a pass more but it is it, it's generally kind of hard to go from the the original to the to the remake here because it's like oh i've seen too much i've seen this done like competently um but anyway what's the setup because I don't know, maybe I'm being mean, and you're gonna you're gonna give this movie like who knows a B B plus. I think you're a kind minus. of presuming how I feel about this. Film. I I am. I'm just kind of curious. I, I I'm I, I, I never. The I didn't is tip my hat as far as how I feel about the film. I'm just putting. Clear. I I want to fight. We haven't fought in months. We're like the opposite of a you know. If we were like a married couple, it's like I want to sleep on the couch. You know, I want to. Uh, anyway, you want that that zest in the relationship? I want that, yeah, I want that heat, that passion. Uh, but okay, the movie follows. Uh, you guessed it, man called Otto. He's played by Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, who's playing a much grumpier character than he usually does. I, I, I know he's done grumpy characters before. Who, who's the first one you think of? I'm blanking though. Well, that's the thing, right? Is that like he has built this persona of being, you know, this kind of friendly everyman type of guy. Or even sort of a whimsical, mystical sort of good guy like in Forrest Gump. And I feel like, you know, I mean, there's been times where he's kind of pushed against that a little bit. Like in, um, you know, like the Burbs or uh, more recently, like some of his characters in Cloud Atlas have been a little bit more prickly than we're used to seeing from Tom Hanks. But I feel like post Won't You Be My Neighbor, he's been trying to kind of be a little bit more antagonistic in the type of roles he plays. For instance, I feel like a film like Finch, which I feel like most people have forgotten by this point has, uh, you know, kind of, you know, that character had a little bit more of a, an edge to him. He was a little bit grumpier. He was, he, he wasn't gruff. He, he was gruff. Yeah. Wasn't he? By Tom Hanks standards, that's, he was like mean, okay. uh, you know, and then you have, uh, you know, him playing the Colonel and Elvis, and, you know, he's just like a real son of a gun in that movie, you know. Uh, and then you have this movie where he's like deliberately pl- trying to play against type, but also not really. Like, it's very much a Tom Hanks playtone production. But it's also him trying to like kind of stretch his legs and be someone that we're not used to seeing from Tom Hanks. And I find that to be kind of interesting. That's where I was uh, going with this conversation earlier is that like I... Didn't want to have it because I thought we'd, there'd be a lot of like push and pull. I just wanted to talk about this film because I think it's kind of interesting in the scheme of Tom Hanks's mm. star persona and career at this point. I, I got to admit, I'm still a little I, I feel like 2022 was just not his year. I, I think he's 0 for 3 uh, for roles between Elvis and Pinocchio and well, a man called Otto. I just yeah. I mean, never th- did I think I was going to be in this position to say this, but you're not giving Elvis enough credit, man. It was a pretty good film. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the more I thought about Elvis and seeing it, look, I still go to bat for that movie in some respects, but Hey, look, the listeners can rewind the tape on our conversation. I think sure. Tom Hanks's character is the big weak spot of that movie. I and disagree. I, I, I can't stand the, that performance. I think it, yeah, it, 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 it didn't ruin the movie for me, but it soured it a lot. Um, but yeah, you disagree, and that's 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 all fine. John, but 
show business is snow business. <laughs> Before that, though, I think that he was on quite a roll. I mean, uh, News of the World, I thought, was a solid showcase for him. Finch, as you mentioned. And, you yeah. know, I think Greyhound was uh, a surprisingly good, you know, good time, Three. like tight movie. Solid Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, of, one of his best performances in years. I agree there, yeah. Yeah. I was so, going to yeah. say, uh, like, News of the World, solid, kind of forgettable. Same, I would say, for Finch and Greyhound. Greyhound, he also wrote. Uh, yeah, like, they're, like, solid films, but I feel like, you know, like they didn't really, like, move the needle much. And you could say the same about Pinocchio, too, which came out this year. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Elvis was, like, the, the film for him this year whether you like it or not. And clearly John doesn't like it, but that was the <laughs> Tom Hanks movie of 2022. It was the movie that gave Tom Hanks the coronavirus and, you know, for better or for worse, it's gonna, you know, probably be a, a good showcase for what's going to come for. Well, Tom excuse Hanks. me, Will, but the movie that gave Tom Hanks the coronavirus was uh Borat subsequent movie film. So yeah. Anyway, uh, as I was saying before, the movie follows a grumpier than usual Tom Hanks, which I think is a I think it's fun. It's fun to see him kind of moving around uh, different these different roles lately. And I I, th- I appreciate that from him. Uh, so he is a retired widow. He's living in these kind of like condo, this like condo suburbia, which I wonder if that's kind of getting at where you were saying like fantastical Pittsburgh, because at no point did I really buy that that was Pittsburgh, but I was kind of curious if you, if it was just cause I've never been to Pittsburgh, but I've seen movies set in Pittsburgh and it just looked very, it, I thought it was in Seattle and I literally was like watching it. And I was like, are we in Seattle? Is this Seattle? Is yeah, that, that mean, looks like Seattle. But then I was like, no, because it's set in Pennsylvania. I know yeah. it's Pittsburgh. You've told me. So yeah. No, I mean, I, I didn't know for sure until the movie made a point to address whether this was actually supposed to be Pittsburgh. Right. For the like first set in C- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For the first like not. 20 minutes or so, I'm like, is this? I mean, I know it's filmed in Pittsburgh, but is this like supposed to take place in Pittsburgh? Because, you know, like you mentioned, uh, right. where'd you go burn dead? Uh, Pittsburgh had to fill in for Seattle in that movie. And so right. there is a precedence for this sort of thing. And I don't know why that keeps happening necessarily, but whatever the case, I I just genuinely I was like, this feels and looks like the Pacific Northwest. Maybe it's the lighting. I don't know the the house design. Again, I haven't been to Pittsburgh. I can't say. But uh, all that said, he has this very prickly personality to the point where he was literally kicked out of the homeowners association. He he loves machines. Uh, he's obsessed with cars, but he has like a a sort of a brand loyalty to Ford. Yeah. He's all American in that well, in that sense. Machines make sense, John. People do not make sense. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, that's what I was about to say. He, he's kind of cold. He's kind of calculated like a machine. If there's anything that he cares about more than, you know, order and following the rules, it's other people following the rules. So if, if he sees somebody, you know, being an idiot, he's going to be like, idiot, idiot. He has like that catchphrase and all of that. So anyway, I think that this movie, who, hmm. <laughs> You know what? I am going to mention this. We do see his son. His son plays a younger version of him, Truman Hanks. Yes, and not not Colin. Not Chet. And certainly not Chet. Though we do get to hear Chet Hanks is White Boy Summer. Very prominently on the, on the soundtrack here. Uh, that's it, it pays to have fathers in uh, high places. But uh, I was wondering if like Tom has ever had to be that to Chet. Yeah. You know, just like... I mean... You you got to give the movie at least at least a little bit of credit in that never did I, I did I ever expect to see you know asshole version of Mike Birbiglia coming out having a confrontation with asshole Tom Hanks while White Boy Summer by Chet Hanks is playing <laughs> on the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, it is it is like a producer Mad Libs kind of yeah, thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the idea is that he he's kind of feeling like ever since his wife died, he doesn't have a place in the world. Everybody frustrates him and he's just sort of like, you know, what what is the point to all this? And along comes this new family of neighbors. Uh, one of them is Marisol, who is played by Mariana Trevino, and she shows up with her kids and her, as he would say, nitwit husband. And, you know, you know what kind of movie this is. They slowly start to warm his heart and they start to turn him around. And it's a movie kind of about the neighborhood. You know, it's like, yeah, a beautiful day in the neighborhood meets, you know, this basically. And, uh, you know, look, I think I think ultimately the movie is pretty harmless. There's not that much in it where I'm just kind of, you know, revolting. But I do think there are some like 
trigger warning deserving things that happen that I certainly was like, I, I wasn't sure if they were going to do it because I was like, hmm, I wonder if they're going to sanitize this more. And I was thinking they were because I was like, they're really not kind of like setting it up well for those things that happen sure. to happen. Uh, yeah. The trailer doesn't have any of that stuff in it. No, and it I, does not. It doesn't. And I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of concerned that some people will watch this and not be aware of that. Um, so I, well, I'm going to give I'm going to give the trigger warning now because I think people should be aware of it. Like the movie heavily, like prominently features and in a lot of ways is about suicide. And uh, so if that's something that for people can be a tough thing, you know, like it, I think they should be aware. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you about with the previous film is that do they tackle that as directly as this movie does. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> like, so that's, kind of that's like, carrying over from the source. They, they didn't like double down on this version for it. Right. And and okay. I, I do think that I got to say that the tone of this movie doesn't quite yeah. it, it's such a tricky balance. I'm not saying it would have been an easy thing to do, but they are sort of going for this like bubblegum pop music sort of aesthetic. Right. Much like the upside, you know, and then uh, they're they're still including, I think, a very European dry, dark humor to it. That is just it's oil and water, at least to me. Yeah, I mean, to me, I guess. And maybe it's because I didn't read the book or see the previous film. I found it, I guess, to be more tolerable than The Upside or uh, Downhill, which is, you know, a English language remake of uh, Force Majeure. Uh, Maybe because, like, you know, Force Majeure was, like, such a good film. And I felt like, uh, you know, both The Upside and Downhill were, like, so, like, exhaustingly mediocre that I, I just found them to be way more tedious in this film, which I also think is a fairly mediocre film, but I found it to be mediocre in a sort of charming, uh, begrudgingly charming, I guess I should say way, because like you said, like those sort of eccentricities to the film kind of made it a little bit more, uh, shapeless and a little bit more sort of like hard to parse through as far as like what the intent of it was. And I think it certainly made the film weaker, but also made it a little bit more interesting to dig into if that makes any sense. Like the fact that I still don't really know exactly what Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, who are both producers on the film were trying to do here. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it through the lens of like Tom Hanks kind of wants to push the envelope of, as far as like what he's doing in like the twilight phase of his career. And I think he kind of wants to challenge his screen persona, maybe challenge himself as an actor and maybe allow audiences to see a version of himself that we're not used to seeing. But it also just feels very sanitized. Like it, it's like he is like the grumpiest grump ever. But in the first five minutes, we're going to be like, but he's not racist. Like, don't don't get it twisted. Like, he's a good guy. But he's, he's also kind of an asshole and he's like going to call people out and call them idiots. But like, you know, he, he's still got a good heart and all that stuff and he's struggling. And it's just like you either can go with the Grand Trino approach or you should just kind of make Won't You Be My Neighbor. It feels like it's kind of trying to be both at the same time. and It's just a very weird balance. So, OK, uh, I, I do have a question then, um, because as I was watching this and I'm curious if you picked up on the same thing. I, I kept thinking that his younger version, you know, I was waiting for a moment when we really see the connection between like why he like how he becomes the older version of himself, you know, because it does feel like it's like two totally different. Like, I get it. Like he, he got older and stuff, but I feel like yeah. we barely even see hints, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's like so ornery and like, you know, such a curmudgeon, those like. Tom Hanks scenes, but then in the Truman Hanks scenes, he's like, golly gee, gosh darn gee whiz, I'm just in love, you know, <laughs> life is good, uh, you know, I'm just a good hearted uh, American boy. And I mean, there, there's obviously supposed to be like the turning point where it's like, this is when his life fell apart. And like, that's when he kind of realized the cold injustice of the world. But it does feel like a very abrupt shift, even though the movie's trying to build up to it. It doesn't. Yeah, I don't think it feels fully earned. It, it's it seems like the two halves of the film are meant to be so tonally different that they never really quite found the right balance by doing so. I just and I kept finding 
so many of these characters unbelievable the whole thing where like everybody in the neighborhood is like always out and about and talking to each other and like i was like this just feels like a fantasy like this just does not strike me as realistic and it, like everybody knows each other's names and like i'm not saying that doesn't happen but it just and See, down to like how pushy the new neighbors are about like being friends with them yeah i was I was kind of of two minds on that. Initially, I was like, kind of like, what are we doing here? What's happening? But then when I realized the movie was deliberately not trying to be super realistic and it was kind of going for that sort of whimsical tone that you would expect from a Tom Hanks vehicle, it made me kind of realize like, oh, okay, I get what this movie is doing. I don't know if it necessarily works, but I can kind of understand that we're in Larry Crown mode. We're not like in real life mode. (laughs) Um, Did it make you cry? I don't cry in movies, so it did not make me cry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'd be the first to know, huh? You would text me and like yeah. you'd probably call me. It would have to. Uh, it would be the second film to ever make me cry, which I, I don't think I was expecting it to. <laughs> Man called yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Mulan, that's for sure. Well, uh, you, wait, you, do you know what movie ever? The, the only you won't movie tell ever? me. You're just like, have I never told you? No, it's, you said that I did, and I forgot, and so now okay. you're punishing me. Or yeah, no. it's Rugrats in Paris. That's, that's the only movie yeah, that make me cry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no other movie since, huh? Yeah, no, that's um, it. I wasn't that far off with Mulan, was I? Um, you were a little far off. I have seen, though, you know, because I didn't cry. I didn't really feel anything with this one. But people, I, I Drop saw a lot dead, of responses. says John Negroni. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've been seeing a lot of people being like, this movie is very emotional. I had all these emotions. It broke my heart. I'm crying. Yeah, I mean, all this uh, stuff. I'm like, we, got, uh, we got a message from a listener who... Uh, was talking about how much the movie affected them emotionally. That's right. That's right. A uh, listener named Alex, shout out to to them. And yeah, because we did see it and you know, I, man, I, 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 I want to know like what, what is it that's clicking with well, people for this movie? Cause I, it's not like a, I, I feel like we're the outliers here, aren't we? Well, hang on. Don't get quiz- twisted son. Cause yeah. that's the thing for me. That's why this is an interesting film for me to discuss is that I don't think it's a very good film. Like I don't think it really works. But I do think it's fairly effective, if that makes I sense. I see. So you like, think it has the emotional sort of uh, heft or like a manipulation. I think it does. And it's like, it, it's kind of fascinating because it's like the exact opposite of Otto's approach to life, where it's like things are supposed to run in this very sort of efficient, direct way. Like what you're supposed to see with the machine is how it's supposed to work. I feel like all the gears are kind of flying off of this thing and it's not quite coming together, but yet somehow. By the end of it, it is kind of touching and sweet. And it's just that classic Tom Hanks formula where it's like, clearly he is trying to deviate away from that, but he just can't really as a producer. I think he just, he just is so dead set in that kind of boomer, good hearted, golly gee America vision that he can't really push too far outside of it. And yeah, uh, it's a feel yeah. good movie. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it kind of operates in that zone of like Hallmark movies. Like it is kind of designed, it's manufactured. It's, it's yeah. it is in its way meticulous about meticulous about how it's going to plug at you. You know, how it's I gonna mean, all right, here's how we're gonna make people fall for this character. I mean, it's basically the way I see it is that it's basically the Grinch told in the style of like a Hallmark Hallmark movie, but in the style of Larry Crown. That's a lot of styles. Sure, exactly. <laughs> Too many styles for this movie. I don't. Well, that's what I mean, though. Style. The movie's like operating in like three different modes throughout, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to come back to it because I agree with you. I, I do think that like plenty of people watching this. I said it in my review. I said that this has schmaltz. That has the same, you know, sort of appealing factor that movies like like The Upside have that uh, people are going to watch and and have a reaction to that's probably going to be positive and uplifting in some ways. But well, that's. The thing is, I just remember being very cold on the upside. And this, like, I wasn't that cold on. You were one of the few, though. I mean, a lot of people like that movie. Yeah. I like the the original one. The, uh, what was that one called? yeah. Untouchables, yeah. Or Intouchables. Intouchables. Yeah. I don't know how you say it in French. But no, I, look, I got to come back to the, to the main family. And look, I have, I have nothing, I have nothing against this actress, um, Mariana Trevino. I just, I found this character a little silly. And I don't know how you feel about well, her, but I just. She's supposed to be silly. 
silly in a way where I was not buying it. I was like, if you, if the whole thing is it's going to emotionally manipulate me, she felt a little bit too, like, I know we've said this, but fantastical, mythological. Like, people like that just don't really, I mean, they exist, but, like, the way that she, like, I don't know. Something about it, like, rubbed me as a- uh, You thought it was dishonest. a manic pixie dream neighbor. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. Manic pixie dream mom. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm not opposed to the dynamic and a character like that, but I don't know. I, I found it a little bit, again, a little bit silly. And I, I think that it's a key factor for this movie working on, I think, some people I, and those people being me. I would agree because I thought her performance was the highlight of the film. Oh, so you would agree? I would agree in the sense that I thought her performance was strong and I thought she was uh, the emotional key of the film. I don't get why you're being such an auto about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like 80. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just didn't like it. I just I had a, a negative reaction and you know I I think I think looking at it there's good stuff in here sure and I I I'm happy that movies like this are are coming out where like okay, the whole family can enjoy it to an extent. I think the suicide stuff sort of limits that um to like I wouldn't kids to see a movie like this but sure uh, otherwise like i think that it you know it's kind of a wholesome adjacent and it's nice to see that movies like that like that can still come out what i find confusing is that this movie cost 50 million dollars sure and sony acquired it for 60 million dollars okay. so what's going on there because was this the box uh, office is not you know this is uh, an independent production um, this is, well, it was acquired, so I think I can look it up, but I just thought it was just a Sony in-house film. I didn't realize it was produced outside of Sony and they acquired it. It looks like, uh, yeah, there are a few production companies aside from Columbia pictures, but yeah, no, Sony got the Sony acquired the film. Um, maybe it was the rights. It was one, one of those things. I think they acquired the film itself though. That's my guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know this is like on the back burner for Tom Hanks for a while. And then I guess just sometime during the pandemic, he's like, I'm finally going to make this movie. And he did. Yeah. And okay. So they got it after the movie was made. They pre-bought the rights to the film for $60 million at the European film market. And I do think this movie kind of has that. Uh, it, it does kind of have that like Sundance flavor to it in some ways. Like there is a type of Sundance maybe like a movie like Downhill, you know, well, where... Yeah, uh, I was going to say very similar to Cha Cha Real Smooth, which is also shot in Pittsburgh. Sure. And uh, I felt like that was probably the most comparable to this because I felt like that was another sort of mediocre Pittsburgh film that almost kind of works in spite of itself in some ways, sure. but also doesn't work at all at the same time. Um, it is. I mean, it is doing well, considering it's only in it's not in a lot of theaters right now. It is going to be opening wide in a couple days after we record this. Uh, but a bit of a hill to climb. Do you think, do you see this movie making, making like over a hundred million dollars? Like, what's uh, going, do you think that's going to happen? I seems like a long a, shot to me. In like 2011, maybe it, now I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a question mark. People are going to go just for Mark, Mike Birbiglia because he's an A-list yeah, actor. I like Mike Birbiglia. I, to be clear, like I, I'm I've a big fan live. of his. Yeah. I've seen, him. I've seen, I met him once in New York. I didn't know you guys were uh, friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I found his casting, I guess, inspired, but also sort of confusing in those films. Uh, I, I, I think it works. It, it's I, similar to the Tom Hanks performance, kind of being against type a bit, but, you know, in a way that feels right to the it, actor. Is it against type, though? It's like kind of playing into his image, but like, what if Michael Bigelow is an asshole? Which is like just sort of... Uh, you know, it just, I don't know if it really works, but it's like interesting, I guess. Like, uh, I think I think it's very because like when we've seen him before, he tends to be like certainly somebody who has like a a, a cynical approach to the world, but sure. is also very Socially soft, awkward. like gentle and but yeah. also like, you know, somebody who's a little bit more sensitive who wouldn't just sure. be like this ruthless corporate. Well, that's what I mean. It's, it's taking that element out of it. But I feel it's that same court of, sort of like, you know, guilelessness and that kind of like. So like what if. Bigly, I hadn't gone through his sleepwalk with me. Yes, exactly. Sort of thing. Like that's what he would have turned into. Sure, I could buy that. Yeah, and that's why I find the casting so interesting. But the the character is so rote 
in like two dimensional that there's there's no real sense pontificating on it because there's just nothing there to it. It's just like you know he's just a suit basically. The suit's doing most of the performance. I feel for him unfortunately because I think <laughs> he's a talented actor and I, I hope he gets back in the directing at some point. Sure. Um, there there are a lot of other characters. I mean. It, the, the neighbor characters come in on here. I think everybody does a fine enough job. Um, I thought there were some like interesting choices, like to try to sort of update certain things. We, we don't have to get into everything because spoilers and all that. Um, to the point where like, I don't even remember if man called Uva even had some of that plot, those plot elements it has been a while, but yeah, I mean, that's basically what I think of the movie. I don't have too much else about you. Well, um, yeah, I guess we should kind of talk about, the suicide stuff because yeah. it i mean you know we were talking about the whale not too long ago and you were kind of uh meaner on that film than than i was and sorry but, i forgot to say this is mark forster who directed it and oh yeah we I should talk about review, mark forster yeah i said in my review that like this fits on the shelf next to his other movies pretty realistically well, you know finding neverland I mean, stranger than fiction christopher robin that's the thing right is that like he's ultimately an inconsistent at best director who's made some films I've liked, like Stranger in Fiction is probably his best one. Uh, what else? Christopher Robin was pretty good. I felt you like a uh, kite runner. Oh no, that was, that was a bad adaptation of that book. I, I didn't watch it. I, but you know, I remember it being a, a deal. Uh, Quantum of Solace, one of the worst James Bond movies. Uh, uh, that was era. actually kind of fun. I felt <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You always have the hot I, takes, huh? I and I, I like mean, World War Z. Okay, see that's even a bad get, one. You, you, well, yeah, we're disagreeing <laughs> on the Mark like, Forster stuff. Yeah, I like World War I, Z is well, a bad movie. I'm a big fan of the World War Z book. I like that the movie didn't try too hard to be the book. I, I like that it kind of did it. Okay. That, that still doesn't make it a good movie, though. <laughs> no, it's but still it helps. A, a boring mess, except for like one cool chase scene. It was very boring. Come on. I mean, but anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I will throw you a little bit of a bone that like, is Quantum of Solace a good film? I don't know. But I, I think it's a fun it's not. film. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So, it's hey, fun. we can agree to Stranger Than Fiction. I would say that's probably his best movie. Yeah, I think it's his best. Fine, Neverland's fine. It's very Oscar Beatty. This is also very Oscar Beatty. He also has that uh, Wonder spinoff with the Nazis that was oh, supposed yeah, to come out the, next year. The and then they were just thing. like, yeah. And they were just like, yeah, let's not release that right now. <laughs> mm. I mean, yeah, I think they have it like ready to go, basically. At this I point. That's what I mean. Yeah, they were like going to release it last year. There were trailers for it and stuff. I remember mm. seeing the trailer before Thor and Love and Thunder and turning to my brother and be like, can you guess what's going to happen in this film? I was like, no. It's like, well, wait until you watch this trailer, buddy. I can just imagine somebody watching the movie Wonder and just being like, wow, that was amazing. They're doing a prequel of this. I can't wait. Oh, okay. And then just waiting, like, when are they going to come out with this? Okay. I thought uh, you were going to say, you- like, this movie's pretty good, but you know what it could use? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Helen Mirren and the Nazi party. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, what were you saying? Uh, you wanted to get into the suicide uh, stuff? I guess. I mean, it just feels like, yeah, we, we were talked about already as far as like the tonal stuff. But like, I felt like the score for this movie was really bad. And it's like Thomas an accomplished. Newman, who's yeah. such a, you know, reliable composer. Yeah. I mean, most of the times I'm like cool with him, but I felt like. The score was really what was holding this movie back a lot of the time. Really? So I felt like a lot of these like heavy scenes, like scenes that were supposed to be serious, but like have like kind of darkly comedic moments to them were undercut by the score. I was like, boop, boo, doo, ba, doo, ba, doo, da, doo. And like, I felt like that of, was intentional. And I know, I'm not but saying it, it was correct. It but. never felt organic to the scene and it felt like it took me out of the film constantly because it's like how am i supposed mm. to be feeling in the scene i don't know because the score is like trying to make it seem goofier than it is like even when the scene's supposed to be fairly serious it seems like the score is trying to be like no 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 it's actually a little bit goofy it's a little bit silly even though what's yeah. happening on screen isn't very silly uh it's yeah i just point. felt like i thought it was a uh, an uncharacteristically bad score from him yeah, because I mean, the guys made uh, incredible scores uh, for the longest time. Um, even movies I don't like, you know. But okay, anything uh, else? I thought it was weird that they shot this movie on thirty-five millimeter, considering that's mostly uh, it. Mostly takes place in this cul-de-sac. Like it's not a very. Yeah, like, I didn't visually... even know it was shot that way. I just assumed it was in digital. Nope. It, I mean, when I was to watching, me, it, was like, it looked like it. I was like, this image is crisp. I was like, mm-hmm. unless this is like some sort of like 
Knives Out situation where they tried to duplicate the image of film. They shot this on film, baby. And I was right. It was on 35. Wow. Um, yeah, because I, I didn't even suspect. But it's probably because, uh, again, I saw it on a screener. So it's not going to be, you know, as crisp as a projected. Because I'm assuming, was this a, did the theater have like real projectors or is it all no, digital? It was all digital. Yeah, they didn't yeah. project this on film. That would have been amazing, but no. Yeah, there are uh, those left, huh? I believe, not to uh, promote the theater where I work, but I believe the Harris Theater is the only theater in Pittsburgh that can still project on film, which is how mm. we were able to project Memorial on 35 this past year. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that I think there are theaters like around the Bay Area that have it, but yeah. they just don't use them regularly, but I'm not the Roxy totally does. sure about that. I get emails from them. They talk about they do 35 stuff. Yeah, the Roxy does advertise that, but a lot of the other indie ones like you know they might have like a special event um i don't know if the draft house the alamo draft house does uh, never looked into know. that there's that restaurant that projects on 35 that's next yeah, to yeah, the foreign the cinema alamo. does that so yeah. it's it's I, a, a cool time to be into film but yeah not like it used to be it used to be just uh the way of the you know the way of the world yeah those were the days <laughs> um also gonna, the movie's yeah. too long this movie's too long hours it's over two hours. No, this is this movie only needed to be 90 minutes. The flashbacks needed well, to be cut down. Come on. I mean, this is 10 minutes longer than the previous man called Oof movie. I'm so, just saying. And yeah. that movie also is a little long, too. I'm not going to lie to you. Hmm. All right. Not a perfect movie. Um, That's all I got. Unless you want to get into the Rotten Tomatoes game. Uh, How about social media journalists? Social media journalists? What? <laughs> That's uh, like this movie has a very sort of like, oh, uh, yeah, for lack of a better word, the- <laughs> silly idea of yeah. how the Internet works. Well, uh, no, yeah, it does. It does the sort of uh, it like does what a lot it of stuff that Gen yeah. Z. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because I'm surprised you didn't remember this because it's like all the stuff that grinds your gears about like online culture where it's like this video got, is all over the Internet. It got one million <laughs> views, man. <laughs> You're an yeah, internet I, sensation. Didn't I send you that Instagram reel where it's like, whoa, I think I think this video went viral and has like 13 hits. Yeah. Well, isn't that, um, what was that movie? Mainstream? Isn't that kind of poking fun of that too? Mainstream does that. And yeah. I love watching uh, Shark Tank because like so many of the people with the businesses come on and they're just like, we, we made this video for our product and it went viral. And then they'll ask like, how did it go viral? And they're like, it got 10 thousand views. yeah <laughs> uh, i love it yeah. um social media journalism like literally showing up at her house like that doesn't even happen with like real newspapers anymore <laughs> uh, unless you watch she said yeah i mean yeah they not only show up to his house but they have business cards that says social yeah. media <laughs> journalist and i like that even auto is just like what, what? is this it's like I agree with you, Otto. What is this? I wish like, Otto had been like, this doesn't seem like any sort of social media journalism. I th- right. It's like you call yourself a social media journalist. However, your ethics leave a lot to be desired. For one thing, yeah, just like going into yeah. I wish they had done something like that. But yeah, I don't know. We both just watched that movie Vengeance, and we both kind of were clowning on it. And I'm mm-hmm. gonna say about that movie Vengeance that it at least has one it has one character who says something at least somewhat smart about how this stuff would go where the Ashton Kutcher character is just being like, look, you can, yeah. you know, like her filming the guy. Right. And like, Oh my gosh, you've been exposed. But that, if that, that Mike Birbiglia wishes that the Ashton Kutcher guy could have been there. Cause he would have been like, hold on. Oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. That was the other thing is that like, they're filming live on like an actual like camera, not like yeah, a yeah. camera, like, like a hand camera that like you take photos with was somehow live streaming. This event, it was just like, <laughs> this movie has such a warped perception of like technology <laughs> and the internet and journalism. It's just, it baffled yeah, me yeah. to no end. And it kind of adds to the mythical, whimsical, fantastical quality of the film. That, it, uh, in a way, it makes me kind of, it makes me wonder because like people 50 years from now watching this be like, wow, this was what life was like in 2022. But if they, uh, well, I guess 2023 and then it's officially out. But it makes me kind of wonder like, how many times have we watched movies from like the fifties, you know, the forties and thirties and have like assumed certain details are accurate when they're so totally off. I I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I mean, that was the main thrust, I guess, of the, the stuff, 
I was going to talk about. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of admire the film more than you do as far as the how it handles the the, the depressive aspects of Otto's You're showing character. up at the this movie's door, offering it some food, being polite. Yeah. You know it has some rough, it's rough around the edges, whereas I'm just sort of like calling it an idiot and driving away. Exactly, yeah. Happening. I don't know. I mean, it, I think it means well. I think it's very sort of tonally confused. It doesn't help that, you know, it comes from uh, a director who's not very consistent in their work and uh, probably a team of producers that I think are trying to make like two different kind of films that go against their interest mm-hmm. uh, as far as like what their star uh, wants to do and what people expect of them. And also like, I don't know, it, it's just it, it's an interesting film. It, it, it sometimes kind of feels like. Like we said before, like Grand Torino, very conservative film. It feels like a conservative film made by liberals at times in a way that I didn't quite know how to uh, make of that. But yeah, it's an interesting mishmash. It's trying to be all things to all people and it can't. Right. That's I what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Um, My advice is just watch A Man Called Uva. It's much better. Yeah. It's a, a good watch. I guess. Good sit. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I can't hate it. It's in the Berg. This is just what Yenzers are like. That's what it comes down to. You're rooting for the neighborhood because it's your yeah, it's but your not home. the neighborhood. I kept looking uh, around. I was like, "Is that Will Ashton's apartment? Is that no. Will Ashton's apartment?" You'd have a better no time nice. finding my apartment in Cha Cha Real Smooth, which actually filmed uh, in actual parts of like where I live. Okay, yeah, Pittsburgh, bigger place than uh, I certainly think. Uh, sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. 138 reviews counted. Will, what do you think the score is? Um, seventy six percent. A bit off. It's mm. in the sixties. Give you one Ooh. more guess. Narrowing it down for you. Sixty five. That's a little bit higher. Sixty eight percent. So in between. Okay. Your guess is there. Yeah, it's been wavering. I think it was at sixty six for a bit, and then it kind of moved around. It's only one hundred and thirty eight reviews so far. Uh, probably a bunch more reviews to come. What about the audience score? We have five hundred plus. Uh, if my Verified audience. Rating is a proper indication uh, it, this response is high. But then again, like I said, my audience was people who worked on the film. Uh, <laughs> sure. So maybe a little skewed. But uh, I think audiences will be a little bit more receptive to it. I'm going to say 82%. Oh, it's much higher. When you said okay. it's hot, I was like, oh, is he going to get this? It's 97 mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I mean, I was on the right track, just I didn't trust myself enough. You doubted yourself. It happens. Um, I don't think we have a cinema score yet because it's not in wide release. Um, checking. Yeah, we don't have it. Probably if there is going to be one, uh, it's probably going to be. We're probably a bit from that a few days. But what about Letterboxd? It's pretty low uh, right now. We don't really have like a good. This won't be like a very good sample. Uh, we only have eight point eight thousand watches. That's obviously going to increase a lot. Uh, but yeah, what's your best guess anyway? Uh, 3.2, 3.6, bit higher. And uh, you know, that kind of tracks. I'm, I'm mostly seeing like threes and three and a halves on my letterboxd feed here. I, I still don't get the, the tagline. There are so many other better taglines they could have done, but like fall in love with the grumpiest man in America. Come on. There's no way he's the grumpiest man in America. He's not even, he couldn't compete. Not in a, I mean, this is, like I said, a very sanitized uh, version Yeah, if of this is the grumpiest man in America, then, like, QAnon doesn't exist. And yeah, like- <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, this movie so deliberately skews politics. Yeah, it's like, skews, what if, yeah. yeah. What Which if I feel Obama very, had won, like, a third term? Well, that's what I mean, yeah. It just feels like a very, like, Obama era. That's what Larry Crown is, is that, like, right, right. it's a movie trying to tackle, you know, like, the recession and uh, these, like, very, you know, 2010s things but in a very sort of sanitized clean out of touch with reality sort of way and i feel like that's what this movie is for like gentrification and the housing crisis and you know nothing about like you know the pandemic or anything like that but like you know things are you know in a broad sense related to now but not really connected to any sort of realistic reality i'm gonna pick out one popular review and then we can say goodbye um this is from joe aragon is it bad no is it better than the original? No. Do we need an American remake? No. Do I wish I watched Megan a second time instead? Yes. Hmm. That's my favorite one. Here's a, my question for you, John. And I don't know if you can answer it, but I'd be curious to hear what your answer is. Yeah. Uh, if I we hope are, it's related to Megan. 
if we are to get another one of these like English language remakes uh, in the near future, which we probably will at some point, what movie would you suggest giving that treatment to? I would be interested, believe it or not, in a Baccarat uh, kind of American movie. Okay. But like really still keep the grit of that movie. And even though it's set in America, I think that could be be really cool because like with a really good budget, I think that movie could go even harder. Sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely, like you said, like really leaning more into like the Western aspects of it. Like, yeah, because yeah, exactly. Because like Baccarat has so much commentary and political commentary that I think jives with ours like really well. Um, So that's first off the top of my head. Yeah, that's a good one. I would certainly be more intrigued with that than something like a man called Otto, to be sure. Or even (laughs) another round, which I feel like, I mean, what's that movie? It's just going to be pretty much more or less the same film as the original. I would presume, except just in English language and, and presumably worse. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, who would you get to direct that uh, English language uh, background? I feel like it's got to be somebody who's really passionate about the movie. And I don't know who that is. Uh, I would hope that it's like an indie filmmaker, you know, somebody who should just get in their start. You know, I what would I mean? pick uh, Jeremy Salander or who's the guy that did Green Room? Um, Jeremy Salonay, Salonay, Salonay. Yeah, Sal- I'd Sal- get him. Sal- 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 I, Blue Ruin was his other one. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. Yeah, something like that. He'd be my pick. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, well, it's been fun. Okay, I've you don't want to ask this. me <laughs> what? <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, we'll be back uh, soon to do our best movies of the year. Have you already made your list? Uh well I made like a an early list uh for in between drafts when you asked That's me right. or rather insisted that I make one. Insisted uh, I just asked politely. That's all. Yeah. But you were like, come on, put this list together for me. And I was like, fine, here's my list. And you were like, oh, okay. And didn't expound <laughs> upon it. I was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> Making all of this up. Um, but all right. Oh, you know what is another movie though I, I do want to watch that uh I don't think we'll get to, but uh, man, I really want to watch Broker, but I have no way to watch yeah, it. Yeah, that comes out uh, in my neck of the woods this weekend. Yeah, I don't, it's probably going to be playing around here, but I, pro- I just don't have time. Uh, I, I hope to see it, though. I, I'm really excited. Speaking but, of which, uh, uh, do you think uh, an English language shop brokers or not shop lifters? Shop lifters uh, would work. Mm, I'd say no, but I'm kind of really. I, there's That's at least we- more potential with that one. I think similar, it's it's the same kind of thing with Parasite. It's the same kind of thing with uh, a man called Uva. It's so specific to the location. And uh, yeah, it's dicey. It's dicey. It could work. Well, that's, I don't know. that's the reason why I'm usually against these English language remakes. That like they're so tied into their culture. In this case, like this feels like such a Swedish film that's just being transported to America, you know, presumably. I think that's uh, why like I just immediately chose a Brazilian film because I just feel like like Brazil and America parallel each other a lot. And so okay. they tend to be a bit more, I don't know. I feel like we're able to relate more, but yeah, yeah. I they it. just had their own January 6th the other day. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. If we want to talk about politics head on, sure. <laughs> um, I think I'm good. So, all right, we'll see you all next week from the internet, California. I'm John Agroni. And for the internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Wesh. See you next time. Bye.